0: I said to the people of the Philippines whence I came, I shall return. I kill them in Chippewa. i with all my friends back in my hometown, Milwaukee. Wisconsin. Oh, here's where we've problem. To call them Democrats is an insult. That's the sailor's way. Well, turn this damn bus around. That'll end your freaking little field trip. Uh- all way from to tell me this. Hello, welcome to Wisconsinology Podcast. My name is Frank Anderson. In the fall of 1961, Dr. Arthur Duperolt, a successful optometrist living in Green Bay, took his family on a trip, a vacation of a lifetime, as he would later say. Duperolt often dreamed of living a vagabond life, in a boat, in a warm climate, with his family. This trip would be a trial run of that dream. In early November, the Duperlt family, Arthur, his wife Jean, and three children, Brian, 14, Terry Joe 11, and 7-year-old Renee, arrived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. They chartered the Bluebell, a two-masted, 60-foot catch. The ship was beautiful. It was hired through its captain, a ruggedly handsome, experienced sailor and decorated war veteran named Julian Harvey. Harvey's wife of three months, Mary, would be on board serving as cook. Mary Dean Harvey was a former TWA stewardess. She was 34 years old, warm, and gregarious. Julian was her second husband. Mary was the sixth Mrs. Julian Harvey. On the morning of November 8th, the Duperold family boarded the Bluebell. Captain Harvey steered the vessel out to sea. They were traveling east, a day's journey across the Northwest Providence Channel towards the Bahamas Islands. They arrived at Sandy Point on Great Abaco Island and for the next few days the family swam, sailed, snorkeled, collected shells and enjoyed the extraordinary meals that Mary Dean Harvey prepared for them. On November 12th they departed from Sandy Point and began their journey back to Fort Lauderdale. For Arthur Duperlt and his family the trip had been a great success. They journeyed back through calm seas. After dinner, at about 9 p.m., Terry Joe went below deck to sleep in the small cabin at the back of the boat. Her younger sister Renee, her parents, and brother slept forward in the cockpit. In the middle of the night, Terry Joe was startled awake. There were sounds of running, She heard screams. She lay in her bed, afraid and not sure what to do. Then she left her cabin and crept along the hall below deck forward to the larger central cabin. This cabin served as a kitchen and dining room during the day at night. It was sleeping quarters. There she saw, at the foot of the stairs leading to the deck above, the bodies of her mother and brother terry joe climbed the stairs leading topside and stuck her head out of the hatch she saw blood on the deck as she climbed on deck she suddenly saw julian harvey he shoved her back down the stairs she rushed back to her sleeping quarters and crawled into her bunk then she heard water sloshing across the deck what she first thought was the sound of captain harvey cleaning blood off the deck was actually the sound of water rising from the bilges. The bluebell was sinking, and it was sinking fast. Her room began to flood, then she looked up. Captain Harvey was standing in the cabin doorway looking down at her. He had something in his hands. Terry Joe thought it was a gun. A moment passed. Then Captain Harvey turned and climbed back up the stairs to the deck. Carrie Jo got out of her bunk, waded through fast-rising, waist-deep water, and climbed the stairs. Again, she was topside. A few light bulbs strung along the main mast provided the only light. Everything else the clouded over sky, the surrounding ocean, was black. A dinghy and a rubber life raft were floating beside the boat. She saw Captain Harvey. In his hands, was a line to the dinghy. "Is the ship sinking?" she asked. Yes, said Harvey. He pushed the dinghy line into her hands and told her to hold on to it. But the line slipped through her fingers, and the dinghy began to drift away. Captain Harvey panicked, jumped overboard, swam after the dinghy, climbed on board, and drifted into the darkness. The deck of the bluebell was now inches above the water line. And about to disappear. There was a small, oblong, balsa float lashed to the top of the main cabin. Terry Joe rushed to untie it. As she did, the deck beneath her feet gave way to ocean. She pushed the float away and climbed onto it. Then a sharp tug. A line from her float was snagged on the sinking ship. Terry Joe tightly grabbed the float. Both were pulled underwater. Somehow, the line broke. She and the float were on the surface. She laid low in the flimsy craft, worried that Captain Harvey could be nearby looking for her. The day after the Bluebell went down, a lookout on an oil tanker, the USS Gulf Lion, Bound for Puerto Rico, spotted a dinghy floating in the Northwest Providence Channel. The tanker pulled close by. A man in the dinghy yelled, My name is Julian Harvey. I am master of the Bluebell. Harvey wasn't the only passenger in the dinghy. At his feet lay the lifeless body of seven-year-old René Duperault. Harvey was taken to Nassau in the Bahamas and immediately flown to Miami. A massive air and sea search for the Bluebell was launched. A Coast Guard inquiry followed. Before a panel, a well-dressed, rested, and chipper Julian Harvey, not at all looking like a man who had just lost his wife, began to spin his tail. In the middle of the night of November 12th, he said, A sudden squall caused the main mast of the Bluebell to collapse, injuring his wife and members of the Duperault family, causing gas lines in the engine room to rupture and explode. The ship was ablaze. Harvey rushed to the aid of the Duperaults and his wife, but the fast-spreading fire allowed him just enough time to launch the dinghy and raft everyone perished except for seven-year-old Rene, whose lifeless body he pulled from the water. In the close-knit community of sailing men in South Florida, there were doubts about this story. Rumors of Julian Harvey, his violent past, his many wives, and several dubious insurance claims began to emerge. The inquiry into what exactly happened on the night of November 12th would continue for several more days. After the bluebell sank beneath the calm seas, Terry Jo Duperalt was alone. She was dressed in a thin white blouse with pink pants. She lay on a five foot by two foot balsa raft with cheap thin webbed roping for a floor. She had no food, no water. It was pitch black. Soon it began to rain. The following morning brought clear skies and intense sunshine. She became sunburned. The next day she saw a small airplane. She waved at it with her blouse. It dropped low and flew directly over her, then receded into the distance. The chances of being spotted by an airplane or ship in the open seas, no matter how close by, are not good. Terry Joe was a white, blonde-haired girl wearing a white blouse drifting on a small white float. She could be any one of the many white caps that surrounded her. She drifted north on the Northwest Providence Channel, just another piece of flotsam, soon to be carried northeast along the Gulf Stream, then across the Atlantic to the British Isles. That afternoon, Terry saw shapes beneath the water's surface. They swam towards her, They were porpoises they remained beside her for a while and she was thankful for their company nighttime brought relief from the sun it also brought the dark unknown terry jo was on the ocean for four days she was dehydrated and starving her eyes were dried out her muscles ached her skin was badly burned and the float she was on was falling apart Its web flooring had broken away, and she had to balance herself on its edges to keep her body from being submerged. On the fourth day, close to death, she saw a large approaching shape. It was the S.S. Theo, a Greek merchant vessel bound for Houston. Nicholas Bakadakis, second officer aboard the S.S. Theo, spotted her while on watch. Atop the great ship, Terry Joe saw people and waving arms. She heard shouting. With great skill, the S.S. Theo maneuvered alongside her and gently brought her aboard. Terry Joe was alive, just barely. She weakly mentioned her name and the name of the Blue Bell, then lapsed into a coma. The Theo wired Miami, picked up blonde girl, brown eyes, small white raft, suffering, exposure, and shock. She was flown by helicopter to a hospital in Miami. The Coast Guard inquiry and Julian Harvey were well into the third day of questioning when a man entered the room with the news that Terry Joe Duperalt had been rescued at sea and would soon be in Miami. Julian Harvey turned white. He muttered a few words, feigned a smile, and bolted from the room. He checked into a motel under an assumed name. His suicide was a sequence of violent choreography. He locked the door of his room and entered the bathroom. He slashed the length of his thigh to the bone with a double-edged razor. Then he put his fingers in the emerging blood which he smeared onto the white walls. With brutal force and determination, he continued to attack himself. He slashed his arms, his wrists, and his throat. It was as if the Julian Harvey who presented himself to the world was trying to destroy the monster inside. Details began to emerge about Julian Harvey's sordid past. He was broke and deeply in debt, a chronic condition for the former war hero, Two months prior to the sinking of the Bluebell, he had taken out a large double-indemnity policy on both he and his wife. It is theorized that he tried to kill his wife, Mary, during her watch late on the evening of the 12th. He would throw her body out to sea. It was an accident. She slipped. But Mary fought back, and Arthur Duperault may be awakened by the commotion to take his turn on watch, witnessed what was going on. In a rage, Harvey killed Arthur, Jean Duperault, her son Brian, and daughter Renee. Julian Harvey, the war hero who had survived two plane crashes, two wars, numerous auto crashes, and two ship sinkings, the first his yacht, Torbatross, and then later his luxury yawl the 80-foot-long Valiant, both of which had sunk under suspicious circumstances, yielding large insurance settlements. Julian Harvey, who survived an automobile plunge into a river, a plunge that took the lives of his then-wife, Joan, and her mother. He claimed he was thrown free from the crash and could do nothing to save them. Julian Harvey, the tall, ruggedly handsome skipper, who had placed the dead body of seven-year-old Rene Dupereault in his rescue dinghy to back up his alibi. That Julian Harvey had left a suicide note. It read, I'm a nervous wreck and just can't continue. I'm going out now. I guess I either don't like life or don't know what to do with it. Bury me at sea. Terry Joe spent 11 days in a Miami hospital, Within a week, she was well enough to tell her story, the true story of the sinking of the Bluebell. This story of a remarkable, resourceful little girl with tremendous inner strength became a source of inspiration to many. She returned to Wisconsin to live with her aunt and three cousins in Dupeyre, just south of Green Bay. The body of her little sister, Renee Duperold, was returned to Green Bay and buried. The story of the Bluebell Murders inspired two popular works of fiction. One was Dead Calm, a bestseller by Charles Williams that would later become a movie. The other was John D. MacDonald's The Last One Left, considered by many to be the best mystery thriller of a decade that was packed with mystery thrillers. Terry Jo Duperalt is now Terry Duperalt-Thosbender. She co-wrote with Richard Logan, a memoir titled *Alone, Orphaned in the Ocean*. It was published in 2010. For Wisconsinology.com and Wisconsinology podcast, my name is Frank Anderson. I shall return. <laughs> gentlemen. I can kill him in Chicago. With all my friends back in my hometown, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, to call them Democrats is an insult That's the sailor's way oh, turn this damn bus around That'll end your brain field trip. I am not a zombie. That's the sign see you okay, all the way from Wisconsin to tell me this?